Welcome to Passion and Purpose, a podcast with Jimmy Seibert and the Antioch Movement. Whether this is your first time with us or you've been with us for a while now, our desire is that by the end of our time together, you can say that you've fallen more in love with Jesus and have a greater passion for Him and His purposes in the earth. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope that you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the Jimmy Seibert Podcast. My name is Drew Stedman. I serve as the U.S. Director here at Antioch. And today, I'm excited because we're going to tackle the issue of God's sovereignty and our free will. Wow. Here Just we jumping go. jumping in Just nice and easy. diving into the deep end. Yes, sir. So, Jimmy, have you ever been asked that question before? <laughs> Man, I've been asked that question so many times. And, you know, maybe I'll just even start off with this. The reason that people ask that question so often is it's it's really a dilemma, right, in our hearts, right? I mean, God has sovereignly created the earth. He's created mankind. I mean, there's so much um, beauty in his sovereignty, so much obvious uh, uh, cre- creative grace you see everywhere you go. And then you, you also realize, though, that there's something about my participation that matters, you know? And so, huge deal, huge deal. And in the middle of that, everybody's trying to wrestle it through. So, I, I think of examples of, uh, what about prayer? So, if God's sovereign, does my prayer do anything? What about evangelism? Sure. What about ministry in general? What, what about, about loving somebody? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And so, there's this tension of, if God's not sovereign, then is He God? But if He is sovereign... What's the point of all that stuff? Yeah. Well, you know, for for me, everything gets back to the original intent of God. So when we read Genesis and we read the uh, the account of creation, um, we see the beauty of God. And I mean, I actually just stand in awe. Even reading Genesis 1, he gave every plant that was good for food. I mean, uh, all the, the air, the water, this, everything is made perfectly for us to flourish, which, wow, there's no way, we, because man had nothing to do with it, sovereignty is just all over it, right? And then then he creates man, but this is the key piece, right? He creates us in his image, and then God, he created us, male and female, and he said, go take dominion, bear fruit, and multiply, and subdue the earth. So in his sovereignty, before sin entered the world, he created us as his partners for his glory to be made manifest in all the earth. And that's just a blow away, right? So in his sovereignty, he gave us a free will to partner with him for a greater glory. That's amazing. It is amazing. So we're God's image bearers, and then he's given us a vocation of stewardship over this earth. Uh, wow. Doesn't get any bigger than that. No, doesn't get any bigger. And so uh, I think that, uh, not think, I know where the problem came in and why we get confused is when sin entered the world, right? That counts for a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, like, like everything that's wrong. Uh, so um, the reason God created Adam and Eve with a choice in the garden is because of love. In God's great love for us, he gives us a free will because a uh, so that we can choose to love or choose not to love. If we had no free will, then that would make God uh, uh, the overbearing one who uh, decided who was going to love him, who wasn't going to love him, how we could love him or couldn't love him, and that creates uh, a non-relationship, right? How can I have a relationship with somebody that totally controls everything in my life and I've had no choice ever to do anything that I do? That's just not what love's all about. Um, 
I initiated with Laura, and I wanted to marry her more than she wanted to marry me, but she decided I responded to that love. And her response to that love is what brought joy to our union and our marriage. And every time we respond to one another's initiatives of love, we sense that grace and that mercy and that, that intent of God in, in a relationship in marriage. And every time we reject one another's love, we feel the pain of that. So the, the phrase I've heard um, theologians say is God is self-limiting. So he's not limited because he doesn't have sovereignty. Right. He chose to limit himself. Yep. For the sake of love. Mm-hmm. And I, I find in my own Bible study, how does God choose to represent himself in Scripture? We can't know anything about God mm-hmm. that he doesn't choose to reveal about himself. Right. And so one of the things that you see over and over again is this idea of love and relationship. Mm-hmm. Is That's the language God often used to describe um, how we're to interact with him is Absolutely. relational. And that yeah. gets into this idea of God is giving us a space. Right. Out of his sovereignty, not right. because he's not sovereign, but right. because he is sovereign. Yeah. This is his plan to then allow us to engage in relationship with him. Absolutely. And 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 that is where you have to get really comfortable. So here's the deal. I am really comfortable with God being God and me not being God. And I'm really comfortable with him laying out the system, not me. And I'm really comfortable even if I don't understand the system or agree with it. I'm really comfortable with his ways instead of my ways. So it's exactly right. I'll give you a, a great example of one of my favorite scriptures along this line of sovereignty and free will is Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you in future and a hope. So God's desire for you, for me, for every human is a good plan, not an evil plan. And then he says, then you'll call upon me and come and pray to me and I'll listen to you. You'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart and I'll be found by you. So we have this desire of God that mankind have a, have a, uh, do his will, uh, experience his love, experience grace. His plans are good. He can redeem the most broken person, broken situation. However you were born into this world, God can even turn that for good, for glory. So when I look at every individual on the planet, I see value because God sees value. I see destiny. I see purpose because of Jeremiah 29, 11. But then there's that response, right? If you will come and pray to me, then I will listen. So there's this sense that uh, without interaction, without response, I'm not going to enter into that good plan God has for me. If you seek me, you'll find me when you search for me, not with some of your heart, but all your heart. So the people who find the good plan of God and enter into the great plan of God are those who pray, call on the name of the Lord. Those who seek, I want your will over my own will, with not half their heart, but all their heart. So there is this sovereign invitation of goodness, loving kindness, grace, mercy, which is beyond what even we could ever ask or think. And then there is this holy partnership that we must respond to to enter into his will. And so I, 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 uh, it's so interesting, you know, uh, when people say, well, you know, it's all laid out, just whatever case or or whatever happens is happens. And I'll say, really? I mean, like, I choose tomorrow morning whether I'm going to worship God or not. And when I don't, it goes bad. And when I do, it goes good. And when I worship God and and honor Him throughout the day according to His Word, things begin to happen that are according to His Word. Healthy relationships. 
I'm at peace, uh, I get a work ethic, uh, I see fruitfulness, all that partnership stuff that we talked about in Genesis 1 starts sovereignly rolling out when I'm participating with God because that's the way he sovereignly set it up. There you go. That's great. So tell me, in your own personal life, there's an example of the choice to wake up and spend time with God and step into his will. Right. So that's you exercising your free will. Where do you you have a story of God's sovereignty where you've just leaned on God's sovereignty in a situation? What does that look like for you? Yeah, you know, I I think that the, the, the deal is that's where prayer becomes so powerful because there's only so much you can do. What I always say is that I am called to create the right environment, but God has to do the supernatural work that goes above and beyond what I can do in my in my own strength. In Corinthians, it says, one uh, sows, one waters, but God causes the growth. Um, so it would be it would be uh, an example would be child raising. Okay, so we got a word from God about each of our kids. We've tried to follow the word of God to to train them, discipline them, love them, and encourage them. But in the end, um, if God doesn't move in the heart of that child, if if God doesn't, if they don't connect with God over the long haul, then they are limited by whatever our training provided. And we can't be with them 24-7. And I can't create every perfect environment. And I can't, I can try, Most a lot of parents are trying. But in the end, God's going to have to take over. So it could be as uh, uh, dramatic as when Daniel was in the womb and there was 150 cysts on his brain. And they said he may not live. And if he lives, he's going to have all these uh, uh, handicaps, etc. cetera. Um, what, what could we do? Laura was eating healthy, we were loving God, we were worshiping, we were praying, but we said, God, unless you remove these cysts, this is where this thing's going to land. And God moved, right? So that's the hand of God. But we, Lord didn't say, well, I'll just eat junk food and sit around and do whatever I want to do and smoke and drink and everything else. We'll just see how it turns out. You know what I'm saying? Right. It wasn't that's that great. sovereign. You know, it, it wasn't like in the sense of whatever happens is just going to happen. No, we created an environment of health and prayer and, and encouragement and life-giving attitudes and thoughts. And and then we prayed and we said, God, only you ultimately can remove something like this and recreate a miracle. Or it can be something, you know, very practical. If, uh, um, you know, uh, Lauren uh, had trouble uh, reading and, um, and, and hearing. And so we, we prayed over her hearing. We prayed over her reading. And I remember spelling test where we would spend three hours at night in fourth grade oh wow for the for the for friday spelling test i like i i just dreaded thursday night because i'd walk in the house and i knew it was going to be i was going to go over it. she would cry we'd hold her we'd work it through that was we were partnering with god we were praying over her and everything else but in the end when she got down to that test we created the environment but god had to cause the synapses in her brains and neurological things things just had to recreate themselves themselves and in the sovereignty of God not only to recreate it but she graduated with honors from high school college and in her masters and that's it that is creating an environment but God is at work in our kids lives so we're always sowing in prayer because we need the hand of God in it and we need God to do above and beyond what we can control with our own uh, efforts it's great I go back to that um, passage out of Jeremiah and you know I think of that and, I, and even just where that comes from. So you have Israel in exile. Yep. 
So their own sin got them to the point where their calling, they missed it. Yep. They were removed from the land. God's presence left the temple. Yep. They're in Babylon. Yep. And that's when that word comes. God has a plan. And I think you actually see both things at work there because what we see revealed, what what yep. the Spirit of God is saying is, I'm going to send Jesus to resurrect this calling. And it's actually bigger than you think because mm-hmm. the very Babylonians that are your captors are going to be invited in. I mean, it's this you know, amazing story yes. of God's redemption in the world mm-hmm. that he was going to work by his own power. Yep, That's his sovereignty. And yep. no matter what, he's going to do that. And there are individual people that missed out on that because of right. their unwillingness to recognize Jesus their unwillingness to partner with sure. God. So you actually see both things at work where... Well, that's... Yeah, well, e- even on, on top of that, if you know that story in Jeremiah, and again, we're talking about the Jeremiah 29 passage, I know the plans I have for you. In that context, that 70 years while Israel was in Babylonian captivity, while they were their sin had gotten them into it, God was still giving them hope for a future. He was working with them. But in that gap... Uh, when Israel was not being who they were called to be, when the people of God were not being the people of God, Hinduism, Buddhism, a lot of religions came into the world during that gap when the people of God weren't being who they're supposed to be. So, hey, this partnership of sovereignty and free will deeply matters because um, God's desire is to bless the earth, bless a community, bless a neighborhood, bless a family, through his people who are submitted to him, Old Testament Israel, New Testament, the born-again believer. If if anyone uh, attends to the Lord in his ways, darkness flees and righteousness shows up. But when we're not being who we're called to be, partnering fully with God, darkness takes up the vacuum. And that that is built into the sovereignty of God, but it is not the desire of God the design of God for uh, wickedness to rule. So us believing in this partnership between sovereignty and our and our free will is a must so that we we are daily a part of bringing righteousness, bringing light and driving out darkness. So it matters that we partner with God and we can rest assured that he has the ultimate victory. Yes, uh, absolutely. So so yeah, so again, back to this whole deal uh, where God says, my ways are not your ways, or my thoughts are not your thoughts, we try to intellectually parse that out. And if we can't land at an intellectual resting point personally, we tend to discount the beauty of sovereignty or the beauty of free will. But it's a mystery because it, it, is, a, it, is, a, it is a holy God thing that you got to be comfortable with. So there are some things that God's not going to do without my involvement. And there are some things that God's going to do whether I get involved or not. And I don't think he's always telling us which one's which, right? right? He's just saying, come partner with me, come love me, come honor me, come obey me, come preach the gospel, contend for those who are lost, bring righteousness into darkness. Man, I, I, I actually, one of my favorite passages uh, on that is Acts 1-7, where the disciples are saying, Lord, okay, you're about to go ascend to the Father. They've seen Jesus after his resurrection, and they're saying, when's the end going to come, right? We want to know, since you already know, right? Actually, the Scripture says Jesus doesn't know. The Father has an appointed time. But they wanted to know, Jesus, when's it going to happen? And he said, it's not for you to know. Oh, that's good right there. It's not for you to know times or epics, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So in God's sovereignty, 
He has blinded me from the ultimate end time conclusion, not in the reality of it. I, I live in hope of it. I'm believing for the coming of the Lord. I'm excited about it, right? Um, but he's blinded me from all the interactions so that I might be a witness and focus on today, right? Great. Today, I have the opportunity to love him, love others, and push back darkness and bring in light. And when you get it down to that, you're going to flourish in your relationship with God, your relationship with your family, relationship with your community, relationship to a world that doesn't know him. And you're going to be powerful in the earth while you're here during a short stay, as the scripture says. But if you loop on sovereignty and free will um, to the point of having to be intellectually at rest with something before you actually will uh, begin to walk with God, uh, I don't know if you ever get there. It's almost like you could look at it on a continuum. And if your belief takes it so far to God's sovereignty that you lose sight of personal responsibility, yep. you're missing the weight of what's in the Scripture. Right. Likewise, if your view of God and your view of yourself is so much so that it all depends on you, you're missing how God's revealed himself in the Scripture. Exactly. So there's going to be some space where different people, and I'm sure different people listening, are going to yep. pull towards one side or the other. But if we don't hold those things in tension, Absolutely. are we actually living in the reality of how God has revealed in his word. Yeah, and, and maybe just one uh, concluding thought for today. Uh, Ecclesiastes, I believe it's 718, where it says, uh, don't let go of one thing to lay hold of another, for a just weight is righteous before God. So if, you're, if, you're, if you let go of sovereignty and believe only in free will, you're going into a ditch. If you let go of free will and just lay into sovereignty, you're going to go into a ditch. These tensions are the beauty of God, and they should make you stand in awe of God even more. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Passion and Purpose, a podcast with Jimmy Seibert and the Antioch Movement. For more information, please visit jimmycybert.com and antioch.org. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.